You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 12, and today we're talking about books released on July 28, 2015. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow Will Redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Miss Liberty. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I haven't been absent from you but you've been absent from the country i have i went to canada for like 24 hours it was the shortest visit ever Uh, but jan our director of sales and i went up to toronto to do some meetings with a bunch of the canadian publishers up there canadian branches of the big u.s publishing houses Uh, so we went to penguin random house which in canada they have combined into one shared office which they have not yet done in new york so it was cool to see the shared office space and how the random penguins are living together and we went to HarperCollins and Simon & Schuster and Wattpad, uh, which, you know, is a cool startup uh, online writing community and reading community. And they have a really awesome space. So that was really fun to go and, you know, talk to them and see, learn about what they're doing. And I had the best ice cream sandwich. I was going to ask you about that. I was like, okay, enough about life. the books. Could you please explain to me what this <laughs> thing was I saw on Instagram? Oh, it was so good. Uh, so Jan has realized that when we do these big days full of meetings, it behooves everyone if I have regular feedings. So we scheduled <laughs> in a, a nice break in between two of our afternoon meetings. And uh, Jenny Lamb from Wattpad recommended ice. I was like, I need ice cream. It's a beautiful day. Where should we go get ice cream in Toronto? We have a couple hours. So so she recommended a place called Bang Bang, uh, which is downtown Toronto on Ossington Street. And oh, my God, it was so good. Uh, they have all these different kinds of cookies and then all these creative ice cream flavors. And you can combine them however you want. And so I had a birthday cake macaron, uh, which, you know, was like a vanilla flavored macaron with sprinkles on top. And the ice cream inside it was pink lemonade flavored. It just, it looked amazing. It was so good. That's all I've been thinking about. It was so good. I've been, it's been a couple of days and I still find myself just like drifting off into daydreams about that ice cream sandwich. I didn't read any of the books for this week. I was (laughs) just drawing ice cream sandwiches. (laughs) But we have written 15 short stories about ice cream that we'll be happy to share with you. Yeah, yes. it was great. It was a really fun trip. Uh, and I learned how to cr- co- how to correctly pronounce the title of our first sponsor. So I will show that off for you <gasps> in a little bit. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. What's your first pick this week? Okay, I am so <laughs> excited about this book. So there are there are many different ways that I come into books. Like I'm like, okay, here's a list of books that are coming out or here's this book that someone told me to read this one. I read a couple months ago specifically because my Adobe reader was like, this book is going to expire today. I was like, oh, oh, (laughs) I I need to read this right now. Just under the gun. I read it. I love this book with my whole heart. It is one of the most wonderful things that has graced my little gray cells in a long time. It is called Crooked Heart by Lissa Evans. I hope it's Lissa. It's L-I-S-S-A. I'm going to go with Lissa. And it's this wonderful paper moon kind of story that takes place during World War II. Uh, it's about this 10-year-old boy named Noel, and he is raised in London by his godmother, Maddie. She's this very elderly woman, just really free-spirited. You know, she fought for women's rights to vote. Um, she she homeschools him. She's like a genius, and she teaches him all this crazy stuff. He's like brilliant, off the charts, smart. He doesn't know how to relate with other children. He doesn't interact with other children much. Um, and it's at the beginning of World War II, and they're telling him that, telling her that they need to evacuate him. Like, they're sending the children away because of the war. And she doesn't want to, but it ends up that, you know, she becomes very ill, and she can no longer care for him, and she passes away. So 
Now, Noel is devastated. He's sent to this orphanage because he's an, he didn't have parents. Um, and from there, he is sent to live in the suburbs with a woman named Vera. Vera is this hard woman. She lives with her mother and her adult son. Um, she's poor. She's drowning in debt. She's just a really hard woman, and she feels like the world owes her or something. Um, her mother doesn't speak. She doesn't, like, speak to anyone. Like, she doesn't interact with her mother. Um, her grown son is is really a loser. He's a loser who's, like, working this racket against the government. And Vera has her own scheme to make money and better herself. Um, she takes Noel in exclusively for the money that she's going to get from the government for watching this child during during the war. Um, she confiscates all the stuff that they send uh, with him from the orphanage and then she takes his ration card and she's gonna you know figure out a way to make money off him um but she doesn't really like know how to, like what to make of him you know she he's really smart and he doesn't talk like other kids and um he doesn't talk much at all um, but noel because he's a genius he figures out that she's pulling this kind of racket on the government and on other people and he wants in on the action like he wants to be partners hmm. and he kind of like blackmails her into letting him help swindle people so they're just like these two outsiders that work together as a team in search of money and justice. And I, I'm just, I love this book. It's so wonderful. And Noel is one of the most wonderful characters I've read. He's heartbreaking. You know, I was trying to think of like a good word for him because I'm like, well, heartbreaking. Everybody says heartbreaking, but he really is. I mean, he's, oh, he's so good. He's just such a good kid. I love this book so much. And one of the amazing things about the internet is that if the author of the book that you have read is still alive, nine times out of ten, you can go on Twitter and be like, hey, thanks for writing this book. It's amazing. I loved it. And that is exactly what I did when I finished this book. Oh, yeah. I found her on Twitter and I was like, I love your book so much. <laughs> yeah, it's just wonderful. So that was called Crooked Heart by Alyssa Evans. Awesome. That's such a great way to come into a book. It's nice when you don't know anything about a book and you're just like, what is this? I guess I'll find out. And it turns out that what you find out is that it's awesome. So awesome. Yay. Uh, so before I do my first pick this week, we're going to do our first sponsor, Mon, which is how you pronounce it, by Kim Twee. And uh, we've been talking about this book for a couple of weeks. I got to meet the folks at Random House, uh, at Penguin Random House Canada, uh, who have arranged this. And it was really fun to get a chance to talk with them, not just about the book, but also about the author. Um, Kim Twee sounds like a really wonderful, interesting, lovely woman who's going to be doing all sorts of events throughout Canada and the United States. So listen up. Uh, this is a novel about a woman named Mon. She has three mothers, uh, the one who gave birth to her, but then also sort of symbolic mothers in a nun who plucked her from a vegetable garden and her beloved mama, uh, who becomes a spy to survive. Seeking security for Mon, Mama finds her a husband. He's a lonely Vietnamese restaurateur. He lives in Montreal. And so Mon is thrown into a whole new world when she leaves Viet Vietnam and goes to Montreal. Um, in Montreal, she discovers that she has this talent as a chef. Um, and it's not just cooking. It's not just food to feed people, but it really becomes an art for her. She creates dishes that evoke memory and emotion that um, remind people of times and places. And sometimes they even bring her customers to tears. She's also something of a mystery. Her name, Mon, means perfect fulfillment, but she and her husband just are like drifting along respectfully and dutifully. It's a marriage, not quite of convenience, but of, I guess of obligation. And uh, then Mon encounters a married chef in Paris and everything changes in the instant of a fleeting touch. You have to watch out for those fleeting touches, Liberty. They are very dangerous. Very. Uh, and Mon discovers 
the all-encompassing obsession and the ever-present dangers of a love affair. Uh, so this book, Mon, has been selected by Barnes & Noble for their Discover pick, which is a huge deal, and it means that the book is going to be featured at Barnes & Noble stores across the country. Uh, in Canada, Kim Twee has won just about every major award that there is, including the Governor General's Award for Best Fiction Book, and her debut novel, Rue, won Canada Reads this past year. Um, and if you have been paying attention sort of on the booktornet, Canada Reads seems to have floated into the U.S. as well. Uh, but it's a program that selects one book the one book that all of Canada should be reading. Uh, and then they talk about it online and there are like programs on the Canadian broadcast channel and all sorts of interesting stuff. So uh, Kim Twee is a widely recognized and highly acclaimed writer and Mon is uh, looking like it's going to be the breakout title that moves her from being um, just read in Canada now into uh, greater parts of North America. So I'm pretty excited. We've been some of you guys have picked the book up and have told us. Uh, so if you do that, hit us up on Twitter and let us know. Tell us how you like it. Again, the book's name is Mon. That's M-A-N with a tilde over the A. It's by Kim Twee, T-H-U-Y. We'll have a link in the show notes or you can pick it up wherever books are sold. I bet if you ask about it at a Barnes and Noble, they will know what you're talking about. I just got it. I went to Barnes & Noble the other day specifically to get it, and they had it. No problem. It was the advertising there. worked on you. It did. I wanted to read it. I'll probably read it this weekend. What? You I can just report read, back next week. Yeah. I just read uh, the new Governor General's Award winner, which was uh, When Everything Feels Like the Movies, um, which now all of you will be singing the Goo Goo Dolls I was for the rest of the like, day. Hold on. I'm having a flashback <laughs> to like yeah. making out with my high school boyfriend. It was really good. The, the book, not making out with your high school boyfriend. I mean, that was I'm not pretty supposed fine to tell too. you about that. Um, anyway, why don't you tell me about your first book? Not just me. First... Tell everyone about your first book. <laughs> My first pick this week is Feminism Unfinished, A Short Surprising History of America Women's Movements by Dorothy Sue Cobble, Linda Gordon, and Astrid Henry. This is out in paperback this week. Um, actually, all of my picks are paperback releases except for the last one. Um, I thought this book was really uh, important and really interesting when I read it last year because a lot of the histories of feminism kind of start in the 1960s and look at um, when we started to really see feminist activism in the ways that led up to what feminist activism was before we had the internet. And now it's this whole other thing. And people talk about maybe internet feminism is like fourth wave feminism, and we're using culture in interesting ways. Uh, but Dorothy Sue Cobble, Linda Gordon and Astrid Henry go back to the 1920s and to suffrage, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, if you're thinking about how women fought to have rights in the United States, and they they sought to expand the narrative about the history of feminism. Um, they point out very correctly, I think, that too many histories of feminism depoliticize issues about labor and ignore the variations in economic circumstances that affect women's experiences in the U.S. and that they largely erase the experiences of minority women and poor women and how the things that minority and poor women need from feminism are different uh, than the things that white privileged women need from feminism and are trying to achieve. So they're really saying, like, hey, feminism is not a monolith. There's not, you know, one universal definition and one certain type of woman that can or should benefit from it. And it's a move toward telling a more intersectional history of feminism and then looking at how we move forward with intersectional feminism now. Um, so if you are if you're active, especially online and you're reading about feminist issues, the conversation about intersectionality has really picked up in the last few years and has gone to some really important and fascinating places. Uh, and I think this book 
you know, is wonderful because it acknowledges first that no history of feminism can be comprehensive and it acknowledges its own shortcomings and talks about where we might be going, what other questions we should be asking as we look at the history of feminism and at the future of women's movements. I, I really appreciated that that is in the title, that it's not a, a history of America's women's movement, but that they point out its multiple movements within one uh, larger set of goals. Um, so that is Feminism Unfinished, A Short Surprising History of America Women's Movements by Dorothy Sue Cobble, Linda Gordon, and Astrid Henry. <laughs> this next book I'm going to talk about is so different. <laughs> is what? It's so different. It's so completely opposite. <laughs> uh, the next book I'm going to speak about is called Crooked. That's my second title in, with Crooked in it today. But this is the first one was Crooked Heart. This one is just Crooked. It's but by do you Austin have? Do you have any books this week that have libraries in them? <laughs> Let's talk about that later. Um, <laughs> oh my so, gosh, you totally so this is, do. This is Crooked by Austin Grossman. And uh, would you like to hear my embarrassing Austin Grossman fan I girl story? I really, really would. Yeah. Now, see, usually when I say to people, I have an embarrassing Austin Grossman fangirl story, they go, oh, did you mistake him for Lev? Because uh. he and Lev Grossman are twins. And Lev Grossman is, you know, famous author, wrote the Magicians trilogy. But no, I love Austin Grossman. And <laughs> this is the reason that I avoid speaking to people I admire for because of things like this. But I was at ReaderCon a couple of years ago with my friend. And I was like, oh, my God. That's Austin Grossman. I love him. And my friend's like, you should go talk to him. And I was like, no, no. And she was like, go talk to him. So I went up to him and I was like, you know, I just want you to know I read Suno will be invincible. I love that book. It's so funny. It's so great. Blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, he's very nice. And he says, oh, well, thank you very much. He's like, that made my day. Now, most people would say, oh, you're welcome. But instead, like my circuit board just completely shut down. And I made this noise that was like a dolphin on Adderall. I was just like... <laughs> And, like, turned on my heel and ran away. And my friend was like, that was the least smooth thing anyone has ever done. <laughs> and he probably, like, tells that story. He's probably, like, at dinner parties going, ah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it was one horrible. time I was at ReaderCon, <laughs> and this woman told me she yeah. loved my books, and then she did, like, a flipper impression. Yeah. <laughs> She's, like, <laughs> bolted. So that was me. Yeah. Uh, I'm smooth. I'm really smooth. <laughs> now, uh, moving on to the book. <laughs> so, I ask you, listeners, if the world was in danger... And you needed someone to step in and save it. Who would that person be? Like, who is the most obvious choice to save the world from dark forces? That's right. Whoever out there said Richard Nixon. <laughs> Tricky Dick. He is the hero of Crooked. So this book starts with Nixon as a senator. And he's investigating Alger Hiss, who was famously accused of being a Soviet spy. Like, these are real things. This is like a reimagining of Nixon's life. Or maybe it's true and we just don't know it. But, um... <laughs> So he's investigating Hiss, and, but around this time, his investigation into Hiss leads him to discover the existence of otherworldly Lovecraftian horrors. Of and like course this it does. secret organization. Oh my god, I love this book so much already. Yeah, like, how could you not read this? Richard Nixon fights the occult, you know? So... <laughs> Amazing. It's, it's fantastic. So Crooked is a fun alternative history of Nixon's life that imagines, you know, one of our worst presidents, one of our most disgraced presidents... As battling evil and putting his life on the line from our, for us and, like, actually being, like, our best president. You get to hear what really went down at the Watergate Hotel. It's, like, you the know. conspiracy behind the conspiracy. Yeah. Like, why he had to, like, you know, leave the way he did. Um, the sacrifices he made for us and just, like, how he was, like, really a great man. So, Grossman must have read 
so much about Richard Nixon. I mean, he, he utilizes so many true events from Nixon's life and turns them into plot points in this book. Like, props for that. Like, this book is so much fun. And again, it's called Crooked by Austin Grossman. That is amazing. Yeah. Like, I we should probably just end the episode right here. <laughs> Everyone go read Crooked. No, because you have to talk about this next book, which I was a little jealous when I when I heard you say that you were going to talk about it because I didn't realize it was coming out and I loved this book. So, we can talk about it together. Yeah, you talk uh, about it. The paperback release this week of The Skeleton Crew by Deborah Halber. This was so, so fascinating. Uh, it's about the rise of the internet and amateur sleuths who use the internet to solve cold cases or to solve cases that detectives haven't been able to crack themselves. And there is all this amazing information in the book about how many unsolved mysteries there are. Like, if like me and Liberty, you grew up in the late 80s and early 90s, and you were watching unsolved mysteries on TV. Oh, it's like, so generous of you to say that's when I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a big time period. <laughs> You're not that much older than me. Uh, so, Okay, so it, kids of the 80s and, you know, 90s, there were, uh, there's unsolved mysteries. Like, this is, they should make the 21st century version of Unsolved Mysteries about these people. I would watch the heck out of this show. Uh, so it like each chapter is about a different, essentially a different case, a murder or a missing person that was solved because some person on the internet, some amateur person who wasn't getting paid anything, but who was fascinated by crimes and putting together clues and digging way back through evidence that was available online. Um, put some pieces together and solved cases that detectives had not been successful in solving. And sometimes it was like they reunited a missing person with a family. Sometimes they were figuring out who killers, who like who the, the real killer was and the wrong person was in prison for this murder. Um, and the stuff that I really loved about this was like looks at the internal politics of these online sleuthing communities. Like there are a ton of message boards and, you know, private communities on the internet where people are either working together to try to solve cold cases or they're like competing against each other to try to solve these cases. They're sharing clues. They're misleading each other. There's like jockeying for leadership positions. Who's going to be the moderator? Who gets to take this certain piece of evidence? Is someone going to contact the police? Who here has the seniority in our online community to be the one who does that? It's so great. And they're like these factions of internet sleuths. And then sometimes they break apart and they form other like splinter factions of internet sleuths. And then there's also stuff about the tension between all of the internet detectives and actual police detectives um, who you know, benefited from the unpaid labor that these people were doing solving cases. But also, you know, some of them maybe went a little too far or overstepped their boundaries or were pushing the police in a direction that the police didn't want to go. And so you get some of those dynamics as well. Um, Deborah Halber did a really wonderful job presenting sort of the full picture of a bunch of these groups and how... Uh, this is just one more story in what the internet lets us do that we couldn't have done before. Um, things that are being solved because the internet exists and because people with time and interest uh, who are motivated purely by that time and interest are solving, are looking to solve these cases. I just thought it was so great. Like it's a, this is a thing I never would have known about. I love the internet, but no one was ever going to point me in the direction of a cold case sleuth community um, and I just really loved every minute of reading this book and learning about it because it's one of the most fascinating books there is I mean I've never read anything like it this was like my sliding door moment mm. you know like 
just a little bit this way and I could see myself completely sitting at home and trying to figure these things out like just spending all my time doing that and I'm really curious I mean there has to be a certain number of people that this drove towards that oh there must be a ton more people now sitting at home going I can do this too Mm -hmm. you know and it's amazing I mean it it's ultimately you know ultimately a selfless act you know like not, there's not a lot oh, of yeah, publicity not, for this. You're not getting a lot of glory doing it. Yeah, the infighting is amazing. It was the dynamics of those communities were so great. And if you've been part of any internet community or message board, you you'll recognize, you know, sort of the different characters that pop up. Yeah. So um, that's the Skeleton Crew by Deborah Halber, and it's out in paperback this week. So now you're going to tell us something else. Oh, right. Our second sponsor. And it's us. It's Book Riot Live is back. Yes. On November 7th and 8th, you can come hang out with me and Liberty and the whole Book Riot crew and a bunch of amazing authors and book adjacent people and publishing people uh, in New York at a place called the Metropolitan West because we are having a two-day reader convention. Margaret Atwood is going to speak. Mike Cole is going to do a writing workshop that has like a workout element because he's also very big into exercise I think that's just going to be a lot of fun. Uh, This week, we have announced Alicia Rye, who is a great erotica writer. I just read, um, over the last couple of months, I read one of her novellas called Hot as Hades. That's an erotic story (laughs) set in hell between Hades and Persephone. And it's like, it's so cheeky. It is filthy and really, <laughs> and really, really funny. Like Hades and Persephone have this banter with each other and their internal monologues are really funny. And it's just sexy as all get out. Uh, it was so much fun and just such a creative way to do a hot story. Uh, Lucy Nisley, who wrote the graphic memoir Relish and a few yes. other ones whose titles I can never remember. Uh, she's going to speak. Jason Reynolds is going to speak. Sarah McLean, who's a romance writer that we love very much at Book Riot, will be there, Daniel Jose Older, a whole host of other people. Um, There's going to be a panel that we're calling Farm to Table, where we have an author, an agent, an editor, a publicist, and a book designer talking about how a book gets made. We'll have live recordings of all of our podcasts from Book Riot, including this one. So you can watch me and Liberty like laugh at each other and flail our hands around and do Muppet Arms in person. (laughs) Which means I had to get all of my shots updated. (laughs) And they won't be able to see me muting, or they will be able to see me muting my microphone and trying not to laugh too hard while you're talking. Um, What else? There are fancy cocktail parties in the rare book room at the Strand. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's going to happen that we haven't been able to announce yet. Get your tickets while they're hot. You can go to bookriotlive.com and use the code MORECATS, all one word, MORECATS, to save $20 on your registration as an All the Books listener. We would love to hang out with y'all in November. I realized that we have already almost used up our 30 minutes. Oh my goodness, we have. So I'm going to zip through these, these next ones. You know, we can do it. I think we can do it. Okay. Um, so my next pick is called Palimpsest, History of the Written Word by Matthew Battles. Um, now, speaking of libraries, Matthew Battles wrote a book about the history of libraries that I loved. It's a fantastic book. Um, it's a, This is another epic nerd purr. Uh, first, I had to look up what the title meant. I had no idea what a palimpsest was. 
Uh, and for those of you at home who do not know, it is a very old document on which the original writing has been erased and replaced with new writing. Oh. Or something that has changed over time and shows evidence of that change. Like my mm-hmm. hair color. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was wondering, is it meta if you write a book about writing? Like, is that... Yes. That's pretty meta, right? Mm-hmm. That's way um, meta. This book starts with the Mesopotamia and leads us right up through the digital age. Uh, and he hits on our fears of impermanence and how people used to write everything down and now instead we put most of our thoughts and records into a computer, but there's no guarantee that it will last. Like, we use Gmail, we use iTunes, we use all these things. There's no guarantee that we will always have those things. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's not. It's not certain. Um, he also discusses how some aspects of writing have been lost between writing a thing down and typing it. Um, and Palimpsest is just a really fun, remarkably thorough. I wrote this and then I was thinking, like, how do I know that it's remarkably thorough? But I'm assuming <laughs> it is. Uh, it's a really remarkably thorough look at one of the ways in which do- we document the world and the way in which we have used it throughout history and the different ways it is used and has affected different civilizations. So if you're a word geek or a bibliomaniac or history buff, this is the book for you. Please don't make me say the title again. It's by Matthew Biondles. I didn't know what that word meant before, so I'm glad that now I know. That's what I'm here for. Thanks, lady. Uh, my next pick is The Story Hour by 3D Umrigar. It's out in paperback this week. I have heard so much about 3D Umrigar's writing. I've been meaning to read her forever, and I meant to read The Story Hour when it came out last year, but I missed it, so now I'm going to read it this week when it comes out in paperback. So The Story Hour is about a, a woman named Maggie. She's a psychologist, and like psychologists are supposed to do, she usually maintains a distance from her patients, you know, professional boundaries. But she gets a new patient who is a young Indian woman who has tried to commit suicide. Uh, and it, that's because she is living in the United States. She's cut off from her family. She's trapped in a bad marriage with a really controlling man who limits her life to basically like the home and the grocery store. Um, And so Maggie agrees to treat this young woman for free. um, But it turns out that crossing her professional boundaries and getting involved in the young woman's life uh, in personal ways is going to have some interesting consequences. Um, I'm interested in this particular type of story. I love cross-cultural stories and things that look at identity. Uh, Before I was a book person, I thought I was going to be a psychologist. So I'm especially interested in that angle. And I'm looking forward to picking up The Story Hour by 3D Umrigar this week. The last book I'm going to tell you about is one that I have to admit, I'm only halfway through. I'm, I'm in the middle of reading it right now. Well, not right now, like not while we're recording this, but just before we started. Even you have limits to your superpowers. <laughs> I give you my full attention. Um, it's called Dancing with the Devil in the City of God, Rio de Janeiro on the Brink by Juliana Barbasa. And this is a nonfiction book about how Brazil is often portrayed negatively in, negatively in the news. Um, they have an amazing wealth distribution gap and a very high crime rate. Um and this is how that is starting to shift and how the world's perception of Brazil is shifting. Um, I did. I watched this documentary many years ago called Bus 174, which was about this man from a very poor section of town who took this bus full of people hostage. And it was just a brutal, brutal documentary. And I was like, that does not look like a fun place to go. Like, it really portrayed it negatively. And I think that there was just a video recently where they were interviewing a woman live on TV about the crime rate in Brazil. And while she was being interviewed, a guy ran by and tried to snatch her necklace like off her neck you know and she's talking about how like these images of brazil are all we see and how the president is trying to change that the president of brazil um she herself is a prize-winning journalist who was born in rio but then when she was three her family moved 
Uh, and the book opens with her working at the Associated Press in 2008 when it was decided that Brazil would host the 2016 Olympics. And she talks about what a huge score it is for the country and for their new president, uh, who they call Lulu. Um, it was looking like Chicago was going to get the Olympics. Mm-hmm. The Obama spoke on behalf of the city. And it was surprising to everyone when it went to Brazil because it's the first time the Olympics have been held in South America and for those very reasons that I discussed earlier. Um, and it's about how amazing... It is that a man like Lulu, who was a working class man, became president and how these things are changing Brazil. Um, So she decides that she's going to go back to Brazil, visit her birthplace and, you know, see what the country is like now, like see what the city is like. And it's this in-depth investigative work. She interviewed a bunch of people who live there about what their life is like now and the changes they would like to see and where they think the country is headed. Um, So, like I said, I'm only halfway through it, but it's riveting. And unlike a novel, like I don't think... Like, nonfiction is going to change too much. Like, I don't think I'm going to find out at the end that her dad is Voldemort or anything. Like, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be aces all the way through. So, uh, again, that was called Dancing with the Devil in the City of God, Rio de Janeiro on the Brink by Juliana Barbosa. Wow, the talking fast is happening. Yeah. Uh, All we need now is a tongue twister. And for that, I will recommend What Pet Should I Get, which is the new previously undiscovered Dr. Seuss book. Uh, Man, Dr. Seuss. So Why prolific. should Harper Lee get all the attention? Right, seriously. Uh, so Dr. Seuss, Theodore Geisel, died in 1991. And when that happened, his widow, Audrey, put all of his papers in a box. And then last year in 2014, she and you know some of the people that were working on the estate took those papers out of the box to have them appraised and presumably to like, you know, maybe set up some sort of Dr. Seuss library somewhere or something, which I would go to in a heartbeat. And they discovered this manuscript for What Pet Should I Get, which was originally just black and white sketches. And in typical Dr. Seuss fashion, it explores a big issue like how making decisions can be hard, but you have to do it sometimes through the lens of a story that kids can relate to, which in this case is deciding which kind of animal to get as a pet. Um, And they've added color to the sketches. It looks like one of those classic now vintage feeling Dr. Seuss books. Uh, Michiko Kakutani wrote her review of it in rhyme for the New York Times this week, which is quite a thing to behold. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Everybody loves Dr. Seuss and an excuse to be whimsical and fun. Uh, So if you had not heard that there was a new Dr. Seuss book, or if you're looking for a way to add some Dr. Seuss to a child's library or your own, because everybody loves Dr. Seuss, you can pick up What Pet Should I Get? And that's our show. You can Oh, no, it's not our show. We have to talk about what we're going to read. Yes. What are you reading now? Uh, I'm going to read The Strangest by Michael Seidlinger. I hope I think I'm saying his name right. It's so amazing how you can know people forever and never have heard their names pronounced. Uh, I'm really excited about this book. It comes out from OR Books in October. Um, I'm excited about it for two reasons. Because, one, I love The Stranger by Camus. And I loved the Merceau investigation that came out a couple months ago, which was the retelling of The Stranger from the um, point of view of the brother of the murder victim. And this is a contemporary telling of The Stranger that Michael has written. Oh, nice. the other reason I'm excited about this is because he is probably the biggest champion of indie presses that there is out there. Um, He's a book review editor for Electric Literature. He's a publisher-in-chief for Civil Coping Mechanisms. And he is extremely generous with his time. He is always championing indie authors and bringing people's attention to all these titles. Um, You would be hard-pressed to find someone more supportive of small presses. So I'm very excited to support him and read this book. 
What are you going to read? I am about halfway through. I'll be finished by the time this show drops. uh, In the Language of Miracles by Rajia Hasib. It's a debut novel. It's continuing our theme of the great debut novels of 2015. It comes out in a couple of weeks. um, And so I'll talk about it more on the show for August 11th uh, titles. But it's about an Egyptian-American family uh, who are best friends with the white family that live next door. And then their son and the neighbor's daughter um, are both killed in a tragic accident accident that tears the families apart and then also rips the friendship between the two families apart and that happens very early in the book so I'm not spoiling anything and then it's about what happens after that and the family particularly the uh, the main family the Egyptian American family trying to come back from that experience uh, if you loved everything I never told you by Celeste Ng which came out last year then this is this is the heir to that throne it's the next thing to read uh, in that vein it's really good so far and Excellent. that is actually our show. Yeah, for uh, real. Th- thank you again to Mon by Kim Twee for sponsoring. Again, you can go to bookriotlive.com and use the code MoreCats to save $20 on your registration. Come hang out with us on November 7th and 8th. If you have thoughts or questions or you just want to you know, show us your favorite cat gif, uh, you can do that at all the books at bookriot.com. Miss Liberty is at Miss Liberty on Twitter. I am at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. We're always happy to hear from you with what you're reading, what you're recommending. If we, you know, got something way right or way wrong about a book Uh, and thank you to all of you who have given us reviews on itunes we crossed our goal of 100 Uh, that was very exciting if you like the show and you want to help other people find it if you would take a minute to rate or review it on itunes we would certainly appreciate that and as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today we do not have the time but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find the link to our weekly new books newsletter where you can learn about more new releases out today. So that's it. Let's that's go it. have ice cream sandwiches. Yes, yes. Happy, Happy reading. reading.